Well, hey there, friends. I'm Mike Simmons, and this is the Yearbook Wise Podcast. It's great to be back with you. The last time we were recording was back in Chicago in early November, and um, Suffice it to say, things got pretty busy uh, after that point in time, both with yearbook, uh, with deadlines uh, getting from November into uh, the December holidays. But uh, another hat that I wear is as the coach of my son's uh, Lego robotics team. And uh, our team, I'm proud to say, advanced from qualifiers to the uh, regional championship uh, in upstate New York. And at the regional championship, uh, the team won it all. And now we're heading to Worlds. So things have been a little bit busy. Uh, We've got the World Festival for FLL Robotics in late April in Detroit. So a shout out to our Michigan listeners. We'll be there. And uh, anyhow, I think think you can appreciate that I needed to take some time uh, to make sure I had my priorities right with, uh, with robotics and family and local yearbooking, the holidays, all of it. Hey, it's just good to be back with you. First up in the feed for uh, what we're going to call season two of the Yearbook Wise podcast is a conversation with the yearbook besties, Carrie Faust, Aaron Harris, and Megan Percival. They are uh, three of my dearest friends. They've all been guests of the podcast before, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy what we called a New Year's Book Resolution uh, Conversation. We solicited some topics uh, for discussion from one of the Facebook groups, uh, Yearbook Teachers and Advisors on Facebook. I think, uh, I think the, the group numbers uh, north of 700 participants. And uh, we just kind of bantered those around uh, for the better part of about 45 minutes. Um, a highlight of the conversation was looking back at 2018 and things that we and our programs need to leave behind. And uh, then our uh, New Year's Book resolutions looking forward to 2019 and beyond. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation. If you are sharing the podcast with friends, uh, with yearbook professionals, with your staff, please have them look us up on Twitter at, at @yearbookwise. And as ever, you can be in touch with me at iteachyearbook at gmail.com. But for now, here I am with the Yearbook Besties and our new Year's Book Resolutions. All right, joining me on one of the first episodes of the new year uh, of the podcast is the trio behind the resource that is yearbookbesties.com. Aaron Harris, Carrie Faust, and Megan Percival. Ladies, welcome. Hey, how are you? Good, good. good. Um, Before we get too deep, um, Aaron, uh, could you talk to the audience a little bit about what yearbookbesties.com is, kind of where it came from, and what resources advisors can find there? Sure. Um, So Yearbook Besties is a website where Megan and Carrie and I house um, all of our uh, presentations from workshops and conferences and conventions um, so that uh, advisors and students can access the resources that we talk about in those particular sessions. Um, they are, it's really just the PDFs of our presentations. Um, so people can see samples and a little bit of the explanations. Um, you know, we had gotten um, people asking for us to email them presentations or download them on flash drives. Um, and the files were just so big that it was really sad to have to say no, um, because we do want to share pretty much everything that we put together. Um, and so uh, I think it was after San Diego, the San Diego convention, which feels like 100 years ago, 
Yes, um, it does. I put uh, started the like kind of created the website, and um, the three of us have been populating it ever since. I don't remember how many years ago was that. Was that like five years ago? I don't even know. It's been a while, though. It feels like it. Megan Percival, um, what do you think is is one of the most sought after resources there? What what kind of feedback do you guys get on on what people are downloading and accessing? The most downloaded, I think, is our 50 Ways to Tell a Story. Yep. Uh, that one comes up a lot, and it's actually an oldie. Um, we we haven't updated it a lot, but I think just having an idea of new ways to cover things appeals to people no matter what their medium is. So newspaper kids access it, yearbook kids access it, and advisors tell us it's really helpful. So it's kind of spun off. We've been doing some new sessions with 50 ways uh, or 50 photos to have in your book or 50 uh, things you might want to think about with design. And we're hoping that those will uh, be helpful to advisors and students as well. And that was, again, Megan Percival. So audience, you're learning voices. Um, Carrie Faust, we'll, we'll put you on the uh, on the compliment hotspot. Uh, what, oh, okay. what do you enjoy about working with Megan and Aaron? Oh, oh my gosh. Are you <laughs> kidding me? These two women make me a better advisor and, frankly, a better person. They are so smart and so kind and so witty and so, you know, just willing to share and give and and pull everyone else up with them that the fact that they let me hang out with them is pretty amazing because all I bring to the group is height. Okay. Oh, stop it. <laughs> and great hair, Carrie. And great hair, yes. Oh, and great hair. Okay, I bring height and hair. That's not true. She, uh, Carrie and Aaron uh, and Mike too, our bro. Uh, our bro. Definitely, you know, motivate me on bad, bad days and uh, help celebrate on the best days so we're really lucky yep. to have each other yeah, you know friend, what i agree yeah <laughs> got it <laughs> well listen uh friends i've asked you to come on to talk about new year's book resolutions um i posted a, a question out to the yearbook teachers and advisors facebook group that i think we all kind of monitor at least um and, and, and are aware of and people were chiming in with you know turn of the year and looking at back at old bad habits or new ways and means in the program and what i wanted to do was just kind of pitch you an idea and have you kind of reflect on it and maybe offer some advice for advisors along the spectrum from brand new to experienced advisors who are still trying to get a monkey off their backs um i wanted to start with our friend sergio he's now in colorado right carrie yeah. Right. He's up here with us at uh, Arvada High School. Yeah, and he said um, in response to a post um, that, that Katie Merritt made about deadlines, um, he's looking for ways to break down deadlines into concrete checkpoints that are more easily manageable. Right. So rather than saying we've got this one deadline seven weeks out, let's just work toward it, that we want to break down and kind of chunk it in between now and then. Um, Megan, I was interested to hear some of your perspective on how you handle those kinds of uh, needs with your with your staff at McLean. Yeah, I've tried a lot of different things over the years, and I struggle when I try to do like everybody has to have their photos taken by Friday because we all know that, you know, well, maybe the basketball team didn't have a game yet. So that's not really feasible. And so I couldn't really enforce that. What I've had a lot of luck with in the last two years is 
like micro micro deadlines. So we'll have a deadline in 20 minutes, like show me this thing in 20 minutes. Or most recently, we had a little break between deadline two and then winter break. And now we're going to come back for deadline three. And I knew that that like week and a half might be kind of uh, a slow wasted time if I didn't, you know, help my editor set a deadline. So we parsed it out and we said, you know what, we can finish the junior and sophomore pages in this week and a half. That's totally realistic. And it means when we return from winter break, we don't have to have five spreads due per team, but just two. And that would be awesome. Um, and so more micro deadlines have been working really well for my stuff. And sometimes it's as short as you know, half the class period or by the end of this week. And um, that way we can really target uh, what would work for a particular team. It doesn't need to be everybody has to have all their interviews due by Friday, December, whatever. Right. I, I love, too, I, that you could have uh, on a given period. We, we work for 42 minutes, as you three know, which I hate because once we're getting into the work, we're coming back out of it. But to say yeah. – Rather than your work is due in three days, which we all know they're going to do the night before it's due, your work is due in a half an hour. Let me see you getting those three photos for your DOM package. Um, micro, I love that. Carrie, I think you wanted to get in there. I did. I, I love everything that Megan said. And, you know, when I first read this post from Sergio, I was a little worried about where our discussion would go because I think the trap we get in as advisors is we think – the more deadlines we set, the more direction they have. But what it really does is create unrealistic expectations for both the students and for our grade book. I mean, we just physically can't keep up with it. And what I've learned over the years is that it's not necessarily about the mini deadline, but I love this micro deadline that she's talking about. Love it, love it, love Can it. Can I add, um, when Carrie's done, I've got a um, something that's been working for us the last couple of years too. Yeah. Totally. Um, but what I, what we do is we just make our deadlines very, very visual, you know, between the chain that we've got on the ceiling, um, hanging uh, the, the links uh, from, from, deadline to deadline with the page numbers and um, dates, but also on the front board, we keep which pages are due and then um, check marks of what's left to be going so that, so that they know exactly what has to be done to get to our overall goal. We just make it super visual because then it's still the one thing we're working toward. And we do exactly what Megan's saying, where every once in a while, you know, we'll say, okay, we, every page needs all of its dominant captions done by the end of this hour, go. Right. Yeah, so right. we also you know, have like been that. making it super visual, um, and it started last year when we were having some, we, we were in the weeds with proofs last year, and so mm -hmm. um, I made these little, like, cardstock cards, um, and they just became our deadline cards. Last year, when we started it, we really had turned in all our pages, and we're just, you know, finishing up the proofs, but this year, um, I've got cards for every spread, and on the cardstock card is printed... Um, you know, primary layer, secondary layer, tertiary layer. And then under e each of those, it says like photos, interviews, captions, copy. And um, pretty much once a class period, I'll just go through the cards and say, Stephen, how's this coming? And he'll tell me what to check off on the cards. And then I'll say, 
you know, um, Thea, how's this going on on this spread? And she'll tell me what to check off the cards. And if there's nothing to check off the cards, if they're like, I still need photos, I'm like, okay, what's your plan? And a lot of times they just stare at me and I say, okay, so that means you have no plan. So your next job is to figure out your plan and execute that or get the plan started um, in the next 10 minutes. And whenever they finish, um, whenever like a card is completely checked off, meaning the spread is done, they move it to the this is done wall and they get to ring a bell and we all clap and cheer and then go right back to work. So um, we've, 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 we've like combined like the, the deadline with visualization with celebration. So that's been really useful for us in the last two years, year and a half. And Aaron, those cards are constantly right. up on a board, or they're in your hand yeah. until they go up on a board. No, they're they're on. A, they are all thumbtacked up onto a board, um, and they like I've got this chart that says these pages are done, these pages are published, um, and so um, when they're when the pages are done, they move the card from just the bulletin board to the side of the chart that says the pages are done, and that's kind of the editor signifier that they it's that they can read and work on those pages now. Um, so they're always tacked up on the board so you can always see kind of the quantity of cards that still need to get finished. And so mm -hmm. as they are moved from, from the, the board to the chart, you can see the progress visually. I think, I think that that kind of sums it up. I mean, make, make whatever you're doing visual, make it immediate, make it chunked so that it's small and manageable and celebrate it. But, but what, what I would give every advisor advice is don't get mired down into elaborate point systems for deadlines that you can't keep up and the kids get um, overwhelmed by. Which brings us to Dan Sidwell. <laughs> so in the same thread, um, a little bit further down and, and for audience members, this is all in the high school yearbook teachers and advisors um, Facebook group. There's about a thousand people um, on that uh, on that group, I think, uh, maybe maybe 700. Actually, I should fact check that. But he said um, we set guidelines in place and we proceed not to stick with those guidelines when we're struggling to meet deadlines. Which I think you kind of mm -hmm. mentioned. I think Megan, you said you know all pictures are due on Friday, but the event is happening Saturday. So why did you set up this kind of arbitrary Friday? Mm -hmm. um, when we when we blow that out, though, I think one more level, like Dan's question, goes to a little bit Carrie of what you were just saying of you know, having these elaborate point systems and these guidelines and these mini deadlines and things like that. How do we allow ourselves to to set parameters and and guidelines and guardrails, but at the same time flex? And, and how do you deal with those students who, who then take kind of that like more militaristic, but we said it was all going to be due on Friday and her work's not done. So we need to drop the hammer on her. Like, how do you guys negotiate that? Uh, well, go ahead. Megan. I will. I will throw out that our good friend, Annie uh, Gorenstein, gave me a new way of thinking about things this year that has transformed not just my yearbook advising, but my teaching. And I saw this word in the Facebook group, too. I now am 100% committed to giving my kids feedback, not grades and points. Mm -hmm. So everyone needs feedback all the time, as much as we can. But sometimes that's, I've written on a post-it note, hey, follow up with Mike about how his interview went, you know? And so when they walk in the door, I'm gonna ask them about that. Um, sometimes it is, yeah, let's actually project the spread and as a whole class, give them the feedback. I think our kids need feedback and we need mm -hmm. to commit to that. And whatever that means for their step in the process, but I totally agree with Carrie. We've been doing this a long time, all of us, and 
I can tell you 100% every point system I've come up with has been a complete failure because mm-hmm. there's just too many exceptions to the rule. You know, if you found the, the Holy Grail, please let me know. But feedback, I feel so good about because my students are not surprised that, oh, wow, we're really moving in a good direction and we're going to meet deadline solidly. This is going to be one of our favorite spreads of the book. Or, oh, no, I really have a lot of work to do because they are getting feedback. Do they have points in the grade book? No, not really. I mean, not often. Um, But they are getting feedback every day. The thing is, advising is the best part of teaching. And if you think about what we've learned about teaching in our, in our quote, regular classes, is that kids don't care about points anymore. They care about the points that flow into the grade book and what that does to their overall grade. But, it, you know, if I'm in one of my regular classes and I notice a trend in their writing, then I do a mini lesson to give them feedback on that. Or I pull a group of six kids that are struggling with this and, and I, and I, and I, drilled down to what they need. Um, the points I always, my kids, they laugh every year. And I talk to my parents very, very honestly about this. I talk about points in, um, you remember the, the show whose line it is, is it anyway with Drew Carey where the rules are made up and the points don't matter anyway. That's, that's kind of how I look at your book because your book is the mastering of skills that are so nebulous and so many balls in the air. You've got one kid whose job is to make sure that work is happening. And one kid whose job is only to take photos and doesn't even have to come to class because he's in an independent study. And you've got one kid who, who's job is just to get interviews because they like to talk to kids, but they couldn't write a caption to save their soul. So when you get mired down in point systems, you just have too many moving parts to keep track of. But when you're talking about skill sets and you're talking about feedback and you're talking about process and people instead of product, then the publication can move forward. And if you can teach the, the, like the leadership to be the ones giving the feedback, um, Mm-hmm. And everyone like understands the expectation. Like you can't have leadership that just says this is bad and then expect that their staffers know how to fix it. So like, it, it's like a feedback loop in, in a good way where if you model the feedback, then, then they will like execute that feedback. And then the people who are coming up behind them will know what that looks like. And it's, um, it's a lovely cycle rather than a vicious one. And I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, I know we all kind of work in in group situations, teams where a peer is is responsible for a group of, say, uh, younger tenured peers. uh, And that allows for the feedback to be happening at, at. um, the very core of where the work is going on, you know, then the kids, the kids jump together into partners to say, all right, so-and-so's photos aren't coming out great. I'm going with him to his next event to help coach him through. And then that can go up the chain to a point where I can get involved if necessary in feedback, both positive and negative. But when you have these, um, kind of team situations or groups or whatever you want to call them that the feedback can start from the, from the most core level closest to the work. So how do we create the space for the feedback? Uh, This goes to a question from Bonnie Katsuv who said that she felt like when she, um, she wants to get her kids focusing more on feedback during the process and short deadlines, but 
they have to keep pushing to set the time aside, right? It can be overwhelming. Like we have to get these pages done and deadlines looming and we got to go, go, go. And sometimes carving out the space for that feedback, doesn't that feel like we're putting a pause on production? How do we weigh that up? Like five minutes. It doesn't have to be like a whole class period of, of, um, of feedback and reflection. You can just say, Hey, let's look at this spread. Or, or if you, even if like you print out all the spreads at a hundred percent, and hang them on the wall. Um, and then people can kind of walk around and see and take like five minutes and see what needs to be done and kind of have a conversation. But I don't think it needs to be excessive or super intensive. You can make it whatever time you have. I think very rarely should there be a total yeah. work stoppage because what I've found and and granted my yearbook class is a little bit bigger than some. So I, I've got 34 this year. But the fact of the matter is when 34 sets of eyes are staring at the same thing, you're going to get side conversations and kids on their phones and everything because not, not everyone is engaged. However, if you have all the groups pull up their, um, pages and discuss them. And then you're going around, um, at different times during the class, or like Aaron said, printing them off at hundred percent and doing a gallery walk and saying, okay, group one, now you go check everything out and leave your comments. Um, then the work continues to happen and people still have their focus. You have to allow it to be very fluid. Yeah. The only thing I would add is, uh, sometimes we will put it on the calendar and just make time for it. I think it does really pay off, especially after, I mean, first deadline, everyone's past that now, but after first deadline, when we've really made a lot of decisions, I think there is some really great use to saying we're going to carve out some time and look at this, but exactly what Carrie and Aaron said, sometimes we do just take a five minute mini break every Everybody gets up, which is good. Let's get, you know, stand up, you know, don't sit in your chair the whole period and walk around and look at everybody's computer or look at the printouts would be even better. And uh, maybe you all just look at headlines because you've been noticing a trend of headlines have been getting really trite or not so great, you know, or maybe you just give everybody feedback on photography for five minutes, you know, five minutes mm -hmm. is totally manageable. It's another one of those micro deadlines that you can totally carve out time for every once in a while. Absolutely. So another advisor, um, shifting gears, chimed in, uh, Brittany, who it says she lives in Germany. I don't know her uh, personally as an advisor, but she said that she needs to figure out photo assignments, that she's struggling with getting students to cover uh, photo assignments and then also getting them to turn in photos or upload them to her server or to her online publisher's website. You know, it, I would also love some, uh, some advice on this. <laughs> <laughs> so Carrie, Megan, do you guys have that knocked in your own lab uh, at all? Do you have some words of advice to offer to Brittany? I, Megan, why don't you start? <laughs> um, I, I definitely don't have something that works a hundred percent of the time, but we do work in teams and we do have a coverage rotation. So my students are on coverage every seven weeks. So every seven weeks they're expected to go to a sporting event after school. And that could be a practice or a game. Um, they're expected to go to something else after school. It could be a club meeting or an orchestra concert or even something student life, like go cover some kids at their workplace or something. And then they're also expected that week to cover academics. And that's typically during our class period and during their own class periods. Um, so they don't have to 
miss class in order to cover that. And so every seven weeks, my kids are expected to turn in three big photo assignments. And then after that, it's kind of like, if you need it for your spread, you've got to make it happen. And so that is, you know, either going to do it yourself or, you know, asking people to help you out. Um, it's not perfect for sure. I wish I had kids who wanted to cover stuff after school all the time. I don't, um, but it seems to work okay-ish. And, and I think, I, the, sorry, Carrie, I think that the um, the flow of about every seven, six or seven weeks is not unreasonable. If you have a mid to large size staff, you can spread that load out and families and kids can um, understand and plan for like, hey, my, my coverage week is next week. So no, right. I, I can't I can't babysit on Tuesday or I need to make sure that I asked off from work. It allows them to plan ahead. Carrie? Well, it, yeah. And I was going to say that we're on a five week rotation and uh, and it's very similar to what Megan is already described to you. But the one thing that I have found is we've been really blessed over the last couple of years to have one kid who just wants to take pictures all the time. And that has been awesome until this year when he's a senior and he, he just want, wants to take pictures all the time, but not necessarily for the publication anymore. Now he wants to take pictures to get paid and he is doing that. And we allowed through, um, kind of uh, a complacency of letting him cover all the time to our systems kind of fell apart a little bit because it used to be, well, Aiden will go. Well, Aiden will go. Well, Aiden's not going anymore. And next year he's not even going to be here because he's graduating. So I do think that having some sort of, of requirement as far as very specific, like Megan said, you will cover an academic, you will cover a student life, you will cover a sports, and this is what your photo grade for that week is going to be, I think is good for, for a couple of reasons. One, it forces your kids to continue getting better at that craft instead of relying on one or two kids who are good at it. But Two, it gives them concrete grades every few weeks in the grade book that you can give feedback on. So I do, you know, I know that kind of goes a little bit against what I was saying earlier, but that's a very manageable uh, grading system because it's so concrete. Um, and as far as assignments themselves are concerned, one of the things we've started sitting down is during uh, doing is sitting down during planning week, which is the week before coverage week. And between myself, um, my editor, and the group leader for that week, we determine, we look at what's been covered already. We look at the school calendar and we decide what has to be covered instead of letting kids go, oh, well, this is convenient for me, so I'm going to cover uh, you know, the math club, which has already been covered eight times, and we don't need more pictures of the same three kids. So you have to, you have to help your kids determine what is important so that then they can go from there in the assignments. And I've found that that's helping a little bit. I think you gave us a really nice segue, Carrie, with your, your Aiden situation. Um, he's a remarkable kid and a remarkable, remarkable. photographer. Um, but you do sound, uh, and you, you, you confessed it, you know, a little critically, like you've gotten yourself into this problem of transition and how do you, how mm -hmm. do you prepare for not Aiden? Um, that question came up in the thread a lot in the form of recruiting. And I was wondering if we could just do a quick round robin and Carrie, I, I will start with you. 
Um, oh, good. How, what, <laughs> what is what is this time of the year look like for you coming back fresh after the new year with your eyes to the 2020 book and the 2020 staff? When do you start that process of recruiting? What does that look like for your program? Um, let's let's go from there. Okay. Well, I think I'm slightly different than you guys because we actually wrapped up first semester before winter break. So we have had finals and everything and they have a grade. And so coming back, uh, we start school on Tuesday. I will actually have an interesting week where kids, um, from outside of the program who've been hanging around will ask to join. And I will have kids who realized that they're, external commitments or their expectations for the class weren't met or whatever who need to drop now. So I will be hitting transition starting immediately on Tuesday. So I'll balance that out. And I take a lot of kids recommendations and there's a lot of conversations. And then within about a week, uh, we'll know what second semester is going to look like. I'll only lose probably three or four kids and I'll probably pick up two to three kids. So that's what the start of the semester looks like. But because our school year starts so early, we actually, um, kids have pre-registration for next year um, starting in three weeks. So uh, it, it, it begins for us now. And the first thing is the beautiful poster that Megan designed and that I stole is now up in the hallway. So kids actually started seeing that after... Um, during finals last week. So they're totally aware of the fact that we have these classes. Uh, second off, uh, we are pushing right now a yearbook sales. So there's a lot of announcements about yearbook. And then also we just came out with our um, second issue of the magazine. So newspaper and yearbook are highly visible right now, which was by design. We have eighth grade parent night coming, and I've got a group of six kids, three yearbook and three news, who will be manning the table that night. And they go to our middle schools um, uh, during, you know, um, designated days. And then finally, my kids will uh, be assigned to freshman, sophomore, and junior English classes in the next coming weeks to go in and do a five-minute presentation. And it's very off the cuff. They're not going in with, a, with you know, uh, a PowerPoint that I put together. They're going in to talk to kids about what it's like to be in the classes from a kid's perspective. So they'll be out there um, kind of, hey, ask me about journalisming all over the school. Wow, it sounds like a really broad-based uh, approach. Aaron, what does yours look like? You're a little bit different with TJ. Yeah. Uh, for those listeners who don't know, it's a, it's a science and STEM-focused school yeah. uh, predominantly. And, and I know that in the last couple of years, your numbers have kind of been up and down. So where does that put you looking at 2020 on recruiting? So um, it's funny. We start later than, than Carrie does. Um, and we have our student curriculum fair the Friday we get back from break. So like a week from today. Um, and I think the biggest thing right now, it's, it's funny, like right now I have six kids in my class, but we have a, an activities block, um, that's built into the academic day where I have like 30 kids who, um, do yearbook on a volunteer basis. So they're not always the most reliable of peeps, um, because mm -hmm. I, they're not actually enrolled in the class. So the stakes aren't, aren't as high for them. Um, but the, I have, so I've got six and 
one of my six, uh, who is going to be an editor in chief next year, I actually told him and his friend in, in September, I was like, learn all you can because you guys are it for next year. Cause they're like two of the three I have coming back anyway. Um, uh, so they were like, my friends don't even know that your book is a class. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Like you're in it, you're enrolled in it. And so, um, one of the things that, that I'm planning to do, um, between now and, um, and the student curriculum fair is, um, just social media promote the fact that, you know, yearbook and, and newspaper, I do both of those, um, are both, um, a class that you can enroll in it, that it does count for a finer practical art credit. Um, but the issue is that it's not STEM based. And so, you get a lot of kids at my school who think that they have to take AP bio or that they have to take a bazillion prerequisites for their senior research labs that they have to take their senior year. So it's definitely a struggle for me. Um, and I'm, I'm changing things up a little bit right now and making um, my um, editor applications for both yearbook and newspaper due on the 14th of January um, because they'll start, um, they'll start registering um, in the beginning of February, end of January, and the parent curriculum fair is the 23rd. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe if I can get the students, their editorial positions before the parent curriculum fair, it's a requirement oh, yeah. to be on the leadership team that you are in the class. So if they tell their parents that they have to take the class in order to get that leadership position that looks good on college apps and all that kind of fun stuff, then they have to be in the class. And I'm hoping that that makes a difference. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a crapshoot for me just because of um, the fact that my school is so STEM focused. Right. A really um, nice move though, on, on prefacing the uh, parent night uh, with that, uh, the leadership appointments. Yeah. Let's hope. Um, yeah. <laughs> Megan, can you round us out with just a couple of tips and tricks that you apply at McLean for recruitment? Yeah, I will just say, um, first of all, as Carrie said, do everything like, you know, make sure your kids are wearing their T-shirts this next month. Um, make sure that your door is open and you're having some fun when people walk by. Um, but that number one word that I would resonate with is um, you you can't assume anything. I found out last year uh, at the eighth grade parent night that they had made this book of all the electives that were allowed. And because journalism falls in this weird spot, the English department chair never thought to say, hey, Megan, you need to give me your stuff for it. So the one elective that wasn't in the curriculum booklet was mine. Oh. And oh. yeah, I was annoyed beyond belief, but it also made me say, hey, we can solve this problem. So when the yearbook was distributed, my staff took what was a hideously designed curriculum booklet. Um, we made it gorgeous. And uh, of course, my elective is now front and center. And yeah, uh, it's already photocopied and ready to hand out for this next week, because we're having back to, you know, the curriculum fair is this coming week. Um, so don't be complacent. Don't assume that kids know it's a class. Don't assume that parents know it's a class. Don't assume that counselors even know that there's not a prerequisite or if there is that kids can still get in your class with these exceptions and things like that. So uh, those of us who've been doing it a while, we thought everybody maybe knew the things and the truth is they don't. So 
you know, you got to march yourself down to the guidance counselors and talk to them. You have to get yourself to or your editors to the middle school. You have to make sure that those gifted photographers in your school who maybe have been taking photography classes and now senior year have an opening know that you would love to have them. So you just can't assume anything. And unfortunately, it makes my January very stressful uh, because mm-hmm. I really want to have a great staff and I really love having two sections of yearbook. And that means we've really got to hustle. So don't assume anything, I guess, is is my underarching, uh, overarching, underarching, I don't know, whatever. Um, the theme. Kind of theme. Your theme. Thank I'd you. like to add one more thing, just because I know a lot of our listeners out there that uh, yearbook is such a weird um, and newspaper are such weird uh, animals and there are rules applied to the classes that have just been there for years that no one knows why. But I, I encounter people all the time who say only 10th, 11th and 12th graders are allowed in my class. And I just think that that is such a mistake for many reasons. Number one, I don't think you can cover the whole of your community without the ninth grade voices. But number two, and probably more important is yearbook and newspaper is already behind the other electives. And here's what I mean. You've got kids who have been in, in band since fourth grade, and they've been in choir since fourth grade, and they're going to choose band and choir coming up. And then you're out of room for yearbook or newspaper. But if you can get a kid during ninth grade, they are yours for four years. So please, please consider changing those requirements. And yeah, maybe you make it on recommendation from middle school teachers or at least recommendation from a kid who already knows the kid. But but do not discredit getting those freshmen in your program early. And we used to justify. I used to be one of those people. And, and I'll say mm-hmm. uh, and confess that, you know, we, we have the... Uh, but but freshmen don't know how to go down to E two thirty one and ask for the roster from Mrs. Pearson then blah, 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 and like all the subject matter knowledge of just how to mm-hmm. do yearbooking and then we were like well wait a second like the sophomores I mean maybe they know the map of the school a little better and they're a little more comfortable and that was somehow our thin justification um, we started I think as you three know taking freshmen with tests volume two which means they're now um, juniors and it's paying off and and the the, mm-hmm. the powerhouse that we're gonna have in four-year senior leadership next year is worth all of it and so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I will say one thing that I, I don't think you guys said um, explicitly on recruitment, just adding in, in a fourth perspective, our students, I think, are our best ambassadors. Um, and, and you did say this about going down to the eighth graders, but but even at the outreach in the hallways or saying pointedly to a kid, um, we've brainstormed list of, lists of kids to the whiteboard um, before, uh, and said, you know, if you go to the student and say, hey, your name came up in class today, we think you should register for book next year, that can have a lot of weight for a student. Um, I think, too, that uh, in using the um, the lab as a destination, I mean, maybe it's an open house. Uh, Megan, I think, said, you know, have the doors open and make it obvious that you're having fun. But we've even put out, you know, Oreo cookies and milk and invited people to come up during the lunch periods just to be in the physical space and see, you know, wow, like that that's that's pretty cool. You guys get to work with this technology. Wow, look at all those lenses. That's pretty awesome. When they see it rather than just read about it in the course selection guidebook, I think that makes it real. Um Go ahead. I'd also like just to add to that recruiting happens all year long. I mean, 
my kids will come in from an interview and say, wow, we need that kid in yearbook. Whereas we just interviewed them for a picture that's going into yearbook. So then we start on them right away. My kids are always, every time they encounter someone in their sports or their clubs or their interviewing process or their class who they think would be a good fit, they're letting them know, hey, we're watching you. Hey, we think you'd be great for yearbook. Hey, have you ever thought about yearbook? So it's not just a January thing. It has to happen all the time. We had a kid that we featured last year in a, in a small profile about the quality of his Instagram feed, and he's now one of our video kids. Yes. Uh, and and two years ago, we said, and I think this is advice that any advisor could use, you know, there are kids in your building who are curating brilliant Instagram feeds and who uh, have their own YouTube channels. And if you're looking to grow your video component, reach out to your students and say, who, who's got a YouTube channel out there and is just making content and is a content creator? Look at that stuff in class. Um, and that's how we have our current video editor because he did these crazy like tech unboxing videos where he said, you know, hey guys, here's my new Bluetooth speaker. Let's dive into it. And he he put together these videos and the kids saw it and recruited him and he's uh, he's on his second year with us. So I love it. Love it. Listen, um, I think we're going to kind of come towards a wrap up and, and full disclosure, I asked you three to be thinking about um, two things. We're calling this the new year's book resolution <laughs> episode. Um, it's going to kick off season two. Um, so I want a, a little bit of real talk, a little bit of, uh, of true confessions first, and then we'll double back for a, a second question. Um, the first thing is, uh, what do you want your program or you uh, as an advisor to leave in 2018? Um, and, and I'm happy to go first on this one um, and, and give you guys a little bit more think time. Um, three words for me is uh, talking, mm. not texting. Um, I'd really like my kids and my editors in particular to start talking with each other instead of just texting with each other because I'm finding um, particularly in, in a couple discrete situations, um, a couple one-on-ones and two-on-ones, where there's just a lot of, of tone and communication that's getting lost in texting, where if they just talked to each other when they saw each other or went out of their way to go find each other face-to-face, I think we'd get through things a lot faster, a lot cleaner, um, and without some of the little fraught complications of um, of supposed tone or, well, she, she snapped at me and blah, blah, blah. like if you talked to each other, we wouldn't be in this situation right now. So my one thing I'd like to leave in 2018 is, uh, is, is the texting, uh, towards encouraging my kids just to talk more. That's a great one. Megan, can you uh, pick up from there? Something you want to leave in 2018? Yeah, mine is advisor specific. Um, I want to give up uh, some guilt. Uh, I want to leave it behind because we all know there are 800 other things we could be doing. Like I listen to your video editor and like every year I'm like, oh, we're going to start adding Erasmus and have this video component. And you know what? There are uh, the great thing about having wonderful advisor friends and networks is that we learn all the possibilities. Um, but the bad thing is, is we think we have to do them all. And the truth is we're all doing really great things. And, you know, I'm going to try and leave some of the guilt behind, going to do the best we can with what we've got and, uh, not worry about, uh, the couple of things that we haven't managed to do this year. Maybe we can work on them next year. I love it. Carrie Faust, what are you leaving in 2018? Oh, my goodness gracious. I don't have a wonderful, quick way of saying it, but let me just 
tell you guys that, um, as you guys know, my daughter has actually been my editor in chief this year, which has opened my eyes after 17 years of advising to how big that job is and what we ask of kids. You know, I've watched 17 editors in chief become seniors and have to apply for college and make those decisions and do their FAFSA and get those last grades and get the, um, get the letters of rec and round out their, um, resumes and all of that. And I was blissfully detached from it. I mean, I knew it was happening, but I didn't understand what it was like at home. And I watched my daughter this year, uh, work to balance her IB senior status plus applying to schools. And it's just very different than when you, you guys and I went to college, there's just all this pressure to get it right that I never felt. And I guess what I'm getting at is I am, I am leaving behind, I'm going to try to leave behind this idea that yearbook has to be the number one thing for my leadership because it simply can't be. There's too much going on. Uh, they have jobs. They have families that they have to take care of while their parents are at work. They have their own grades to deal with. They have the, um, the angst of being a teenager with friends that are going to be leaving them at the end of the year, and they don't even understand that that's happening, happening subconsciously. And yearbook absolutely can't be the number one they, thing that they think about. And I was unaware of that when the kids just went home at the end of the day. But now that kid is coming home to my house and I have had to balance as an advisor, what's really important and what's not, because I had to look at my daughter and say, uh, should you get this application in that's due tonight or should you work on this deadline, which I've never had to do before. So I guess what I'm trying to leave behind is this idea that the only way to have a successful yearbook program is for yearbook to be the only thing. Wow. That's a, that's a powerful uh, reflection, Carrie. Thanks for sharing that. It was a tough one to come to, let me yeah, tell you. I appreciate your honesty. Um, Aaron, for you, let's let's round yeah, out 2018. Yeah, so... Um, I think that this one is not necessarily like you can't apply it to everything with yearbook. Um, but I would say that the thing that I want to leave behind in 2018 is leaving before the job is done. Um, and I mean that mostly with regards to um, photography, because um, mm. my students in the last couple of years, you know, we preach and I, we say all the time, if you're covering an event, you cover before, during and after. Um, and if you don't stay until the end of a game or like a club meeting or, um, you know, a pep rally, then you might miss something. And I think that we've had, a, I mean, I mean, let, let's, let me put it this way. Um, we won our homecoming game this year in double overtime and we had no pictures because my kids got picked up before it was over. And. I, I understand to a certain extent that like if their parents are coming to pick them up, 
um, then like that's their ride because most of my kids don't drive. Um, but it was kind of devastating to realize that we didn't have any photos of a double overtime homecoming win. And for those of you that know our football program, you know, like that's a huge deal because we don't always win a lot of games. <laughs> yeah. um, so that is something that I want to leave in 2018 is the idea that, um, you know, that it's okay to leave before the game or the event is actually over. I love it. All right. So now awesome. here's here's the big to do. We'll turn our eyes to the back half of the year um, and giving you guys full permission. This could be finishing out this book. This could be advisor level from here on out. This could be in prep for the 2020 book. But what is it that you are going to have as a new year's book resolution uh, into 2019? And Aaron, I'm going to loop back right to you. What are you going to do ahead? Um, looking ahead, I am going to make sure that we are always printing and hanging at a hundred percent multiple times throughout the deadline. We did it for deadline one and we did not for deadline two. And so I'm a little afraid of what those pages are going to look like scale wise, not going to lie. Um, so, um, that is one thing that moving forward through the rest, or through the end of the school year through 2019 is printing um, often and hanging and looking at 100% or bigger, um, you know, multiple times throughout the deadline instead of, you know, once or maybe not at all. I love it. And it's discreet and it's manageable and yeah. it's, 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 it's great. I think too often we as advisors, you know, we recognize that there's 20 things we could improve on. Um, and, and that's a nice, just an easy way to package that one for yourself. Thanks. Um, uh, Carrie Faust, uh, the year ahead. So mine's super practical too, and hopefully manageable. We are going to keep our eyes on the writing earlier. It is much easier to fix the direction of copy when it's in production, i.e., hey, you need another voice here, or hey, um, this there's no story in your story while the interviews and writing are happening rather than on proofs when five people are in the newsroom wrapping up the book. It's a lot harder to get those secondary interviews that you need and to, and to fix sophomoric writing at that point than it is during the process. And this, you know, loops all the way back around to our feedback and, I know that we have spent a lot of time on visual feedback as far as photography and design, but we don't do as well on um, writing and reporting feedback. And so that's that's where we're going to be focused in this semester. I think that's a like quote of the podcast. Hey, you, there's no story in your story. There's no story in your story. I love it. Uh, Megan Percival, looking ahead. Um, my goal for this coming uh, 2019 is to really work on building up my upcoming leadership. Um, I've been really lucky with my current um, EIC team uh, that they have been on my staff for three or four years and I know I'm going to lose them in June when they graduate how dare they and I know I really need to help build that capacity in all of my younger staffers so uh, my staff can be somewhat hierarchical and I spend a lot of time with my editors in chief and I'm going to really focus on finding ways to build the leadership of my younger staffers in the coming uh, months. I love right. it. Okay, well, to round it out, um, this is going to come as a shock to all three of you, but uh, my my 2019, I think, has got to be about better self-care. Uh, 
Um, I, uh, I, I, I'm not trying to sound uh, martyrish, but, but I have my hands on a lot of projects at school. Um, obviously I've taken on this passion project with the podcast. Um, but the most important things in my life, um, are my, my wife and my four kids and my own mental health and, um, and being. And if I'm going to keep on doing the things about which I'm passionate, I need to make sure that I'm taking some time. Um, Aaron, you really inspired me. You, you've decided not to teach at conventions yeah. and things for a year. Um, and have remarked multiple times in our, in our friend group that that has been freeing and liberating for you. And, um, well, we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure what it, what it looks like, which I, I think I need to spend some time reflecting on, um, uh, to make it, you know, measurable and accountable. Um, but, uh, but we'll see how self-care goes in 2019. And the other thing I just want to interject quickly is I may with our 2020 book, when we have the decision to make, um, over the summertime, I know we could start now. Um, but I think we may make a move with Tesserae to no proofs and just to getting it right the first time. I love it. I love it. I'm doing it this year and it has made all of the difference to my sanity. I am telling you what, it's amazing. Yeah. When, when the work is done, it's done and it ships done. I love it. Well, listen, uh, my friends, my, my dear yearbook besties, you three, uh, inspire me and, uh, I'm so proud to know you and to call you dear friends. Uh, I thank you for coming on the podcast, uh, for the second time for all three of you. And, and thanks for being, uh, advocates and supporters of this project too. Um, I, I'm glad that it's making a difference for advisors and I'm glad that the audience was able to hear from you kind of looking back and, and looking forward. So thanks so Anytime. much for coming on today. Thanks, Mike. Awesome. It was fun. Thanks for having us, Mike. Absolutely. We'll talk Bye. to you later. I'm grateful to Megan, Aaron, and Carrie for uh, coming onto the podcast to help me start off season two. I am so grateful, thankful, um, impressed, um, appreciative of everything that I benefit from in our friendship and our professional relationship. Um, the four of us together as a, uh, as a group have grown up together through yearbooking uh, as advisors and colleagues, and uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm so thankful for them and, and their presence in my life and, uh, and what they do for me uh, every day as a, as a fellow advisor. I hope that uh, you guys enjoyed the listen, and I'm looking forward to uh, what's coming up, a little preview of what you're going to find in your feed. Uh, we've recorded two other Season 2 episodes already, one with Ava uh, Butzu, who is an advisor at Grand Blank High School in Michigan. She and I spoke uh, at some length about marketing and uh making sure that your your business operations are up to snuff. Uh, lots of, of great actionable advice in that conversation. And uh, another great one just recorded yesterday was with Rebecca Pollard uh, of Lovejoy High School down in Lucas, Texas. Uh, both a- uh, Ava and Rebecca were named as uh, uh, honorees in this year's uh, HL Hall Yearbook Advisor of the Year uh, awards. Uh, those were named back in December. You can learn more about them uh, at JEA.org. But uh, my conversation with Rebecca was about making the move to a more journalistic yearbook and um, bringing a staff to a, a more journalistic place in the, uh, in the creation of their books. Uh, certainly a great listen for advisors who are looking to make gains in, in that area. Uh, for now, friends, uh, it's been great to be back with you. Hope you enjoyed the listen. There's going to be more in your feed uh, real soon. Uh, for now, be well. Good luck. We'll talk soon.